What's a weird cheese? That's what he would say. This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from somethingcool.com studios, this is K-12 Tech Talk episode 90. My name is Chris. Mark, you there? I'm here. And I'm Josh here. is doing homework and he's not going to join us. And I don't really know what's up with that. It's rare that we have all three of us now. Do you think there's like tension between us that we're not unpacking on the show? It, what, what do you think's going on? We were just talking about Big Brother. So maybe we have alliances being formed. What we are, are you, we, if you had you to pick are, me, me or Josh right now, are you a split heart or what's going um, on? I'm not ready to I'm not ready to go there. <laughs> Is this I my mean, audition with you? You and I are wearing the same. We are dressed identical tonight. Yeah, you can tell that Mark and I had hard days at work. We've taken off our dress shirts and we're just wearing some some under <laughs> under white shirts. We're, we're uh, hold on. You should start with we're under, wearing shirts. We like, are wearing shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's rocking the white V-neck. I just have the regular white shirt on. We did not plan this. Um, I think that means our hearts are in sync, Mark. It got a little casual when Josh said he was. Mm-hmm. We did so. get, we were saddened to hear that he couldn't come, but a little bit excited. I think we're going to get uh, more word count in than typical. Yeah. yeah. Probably more equal. Yeah. yeah this is going to be interesting to see how the community reacts without Josh. Cause I feel like he's the anchor. <laughs> We do have a couple of topics tonight. We have two listener emails to get into. And then, Mark, you've been researching some 911 stuff for us. That's right. Uh, we talked about 911 several episodes back and realized that we didn't really know. Uh, we, 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 we thought we knew some things, but we needed to do some research to unpack it a little bit better. So maybe you've come up with some good stuff on that. I Yeah, let me... If you listened to a few episodes ago, I screw up the names. So tonight, I'm at least going to get the names right. Okay. If nothing yeah. more. Yep. That's it. That's, that's all I got. All right. Let's dig into this first listener email. I'm going to pull it up. This is from Mike. Um, he said that he recently discovered our podcast from Reddit. Uh, so far, he thinks it's great. Um, and then he's wanting to know if we've done anything with eHaul Pass software. He's heard some mixed reviews. Some administrators love doing uh, hall passes electronically. Some teachers love it. Uh, some parents, students uh, hate it. Uh, and then he says, as an IT director, he's just trying to advise his admin team. And he doesn't, he's not sure if he goes one way or the other. So Mark, do you do any kind of e-hall pass software? Do you know? Uh, I don't, I don't believe so. No, there might be a couple of schools that have dabbled with it. I think that's, that's one of those nuanced software. Actually, I want to start. Have you? Do you use anything like this in your? We in your use it, but it's rigged up. Uh, we use a. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, we had uh, back in the day of and that's a good episode. The devious lick uh, mm-hmm. going around that TikTok trend of stealing things out of classrooms or school bathrooms or whatever. Um, they were shutting down bathrooms and different things and then trying to get back on track to allow hall passes again. Uh, so we had a computer teacher 
uh, basically come up with a, and I, I wasn't involved in any of this. I just realized that we have a school building doing this and now we have two school buildings doing it. Uh, but she took a, she took good use of a Google form um, and just made it into basically collecting uh, just the basics of the kid, kid name, what hour, uh, and it has a bunch of, she used the images stuff in a Google form. So it's very click, click, click. And you're clicking your, I don't, I can't remember it now. If you're clicking cool. on a toilet, if you're going to go to the bathroom or whatever, but you're clicking through <laughs> things and hit submit, uh, that's how you're getting permission. Uh, I know they're doing the QR code thing, which I don't know if that's necessarily great, but they have QR codes plastered around the place. That's how you, yep. like there's one in each classroom. Yep. Uh, that's what they're using to get to that uh, form. Uh, they submit that. That's going to a spreadsheet. Uh, and then I know that our principals are managing the spreadsheet. And if they see excessive use of hall passes, those mm -hmm. kids are getting busted. And that's also putting timestamps uh, in place so that if there's vandalism in the bathroom, uh, they have a little bit of a way uh, to do some better tracking on that. So we do that at two of our buildings now. Okay. Um. So you're not using e-hall pass, but you do have some sort of digital hall yep. pass environment. Yep. Okay. I I don't know enough about e-hall e passes. I have, for unrelated reasons, I've spent a lot of time in the last three or four weeks in a particular high school. So I've got to know the culture a lot. And I, I look at a hall pass as, or a hall pass uh, system as like, it's a good enhancement to a existing hall pass policy. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a hall pass policy and teachers just let kids go at any time and there is no structure and there is no accountability and there's no like administration follow through, then a tool like e-hall pass is going to be a mess. It's going to be a technical issue. It's going to be a technical failure. And people are going to think that e-hall pass is solving a problem that is really a people issue. Right. Right. I like to look at like people process and then technology. If you've got strong people, you've got strong processes, then your technology will enhance and make better. So I guess my, my response to an e-hall pass software, like many, many other of these like little like one time or nuanced tools is if you have a good practice in place, it's done on spreadsheets, it's done on paper, it's done on like, you know, print out hall passes, then e-hall pass can really help and enhance that work and bring it to the next level. If you have nothing and it's a mess and everybody's doing their own thing and there is no administration buy-in and there is no accountability, e-hall pass or some kind of thing like that's not going to fix that problem. That's my response. Do you think the guy that was like, hey, we should come up with an e-hall, you think that guy's like a genius or do you think this is trendy, Mark? Uh, I'm going to guess it's a former high school teacher who is fed up with <laughs> students leaving yeah. and he's like, I can make something. Yeah, I could see I'm, I'm, I just plugged into one, uh, just Googling around and, and I can see some interesting things here where they can, it says these can like limit students going to particular places. So like if you're tracking it with technology, uh, maybe you only want X amount of kids out in the halls at one time. So like, right. Right. When that 100th kid is trying to get out into the hall, he gets denied access. That's interesting to me. Uh, if you have the 10 kids that say they're going to the bathroom, see uh, this thing's tracking it. So the 11th kid has to wait five minutes or whatever. That's interesting to me. But again, 
you can also just kind of poke your head out into the hallway and see what's going on. Um, or it's classroom management in itself that you don't allow that kind of thing. I, so we, we on another topic, but the same topic, uh, school pickup line stuff. We've talked about that with, with, you know, yeah. kids picking up their kids at the elementaries or whatever. And we had this, uh, crazy thing where this truck, uh, it's brakes went out. So this oh, yeah. lady that was outside, that's the lady that's doing the calls in to get the line going. She had to like run out of the way because she could have been hit by a truck. Um, and that was a little bit of like a, oh, let's throw technology at that problem. Right. To fix right. it. And I, yeah, that would have prevented it, right? If you had an app to <laughs> yes. stop brakes from being broken. Yes. That you're, that's where you're going with this, right? No, I, I recommend that we put a giant rock like in front of where the lady normally stands and that we don't always have to solve things with technology. So they did put a big concrete block there. Oh, wow. You won. And like, yeah, I won. So that, but that's a good place. If it's a real issue that can be solved by technology. Well, if hallways yep. are a real deal that you didn't need to do more with traffic and the whole bit, I think it's real throughout my school, the whole Google form thing. I think that has helped on vandalism mm -hmm. uh, that was taking place. So, uh, okay. Solve it with but, some technology. But teachers are consistently following it, right? The administration is backing that up. They're reviewing the data and the data is being used. I, that's that's what makes yeah. it work, right? Yeah. And I've actually seen those emails from the uh, the middle school assistant principal. Yeah. And yeah. he said, okay, we need to watch these particular kids. And hey, whatever, fifth and sixth hour, right? Uh, you guys are upticking on bathroom usage or whatever, like trying to address the problems that are going on. So yeah. If you're going to you, use it, actually use it and use the data that you get from it. Do you approach when you have a student who's going to go in the bathroom multiple times a day? Do you approach it of like, hey, normal people don't pee that much? I don't think you can do that anymore. No, you can't. Because what okay. is normal? How dare you? I can't. Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> Hot topic. Anyway. So, all right. So, e hall pass. Can the software work? Yes or no? I don't know technically if it can work. I'm assuming if it's a well-known product, it's got some redeeming yep. qualities to it. But my recommendation would be if you if you have a weak hall pass management process, then I'm apprehensive about bringing on a tool to fix a weakness in people or processes. Teacher's problem. <laughs> they should fix it. <laughs> there I you like go. It. Put a rock in the middle of the hallway. That's what Chris did. That's what I it think. Worked. It worked. Why are problems so easily made into technology problems? That's right. Anyway, you unpacked. So I got a new phone system over summer um, and also did a bunch of changes to my carrier. Uh, yep. Moved a bunch of stuff off of PRI to SIP and did a bunch of DID work. Uh, in the middle of all that, I know we had two different vendors talk about changes into 911 and the laws that had passed. Uh, and then we had some discussion on a podcast episode about at how far down does that go? Does it go down to just the building, just the different campuses? Is it supposed to go down all the way to the classroom? Yep. Or just in the vicinity of that? So, Mark, you've done maybe some work. Yeah. So um, we we had teased it on a, a few episodes ago. And then in the last day or two, I saw a post on on Reddit around Ray Bombs Act. And okay. uh, there was Ray some... Bomb. Ray Bombs Act. Yep. Uh, there was some correct information. There was some misinformation. And I think uh, it was, you know, it's like, all right, let's talk about this because we, we've we teased it, but we haven't actually gone into in depth. 
So um, in the last year or so, uh, there are two laws that were passed at the federal level. And so every state may have had different rules in place, but now they're, this is a federal law. Um, it's bringing every state to the same standard. And these are, these are two laws that impact how you configure your phone system uh, and some of the things that you need to have in place. So the first one is Carrie's Law. Uh, and the second one is Ray Bombs Act. Okay. So they both do different things, but they both impact how you uh, have to configure your multi-line uh, telephone system or M MLTS. So I'm also going to assume that everybody listening here has an MLTS, right? A multi-line system. I don't think you could ever run a school with just one phone number, uh, but this does not impact your houses. It does impact any business with a multi-line phone system. So uh, Carrie's law. Um, and I think one of the important things is to understand the background of this law, where this came from and why this is so important. Um, and so there was a woman named Carrie Hunt, which the law is named after, um, who was um, living in a, uh, a hotel with her daughter, escaping uh, her deranged ex-husband. Uh, and there was a, a situation where the husband came to the hotel and unfortunately took the life of Carrie. And at the time, her daughter, who was with her, um, was trying to dial 911 and did not know that in this hotel you have to dial 9 and then 911. Okay. So the first mistake is that the daughter could not dial 911 because she didn't know this little secret code that you have to push in order to dial 911. So as a result, Carrie's law states that Every phone in your school, every phone in your district has to be able to do a straight dial 911. Not one 911, not pound 911, nothing else. It has to, anytime somebody hits 911, it has to go straight to 911. Okay. That's the first part of the law. The other one, though, is that, you know, one of the things that they'd said is hey, if they knew that the daughter was trying to dial 911 or they got through, there should have been somebody at the hotel. Who, who would have been alerted to that and could have helped out in the situation or directed police to the right place. So for multi-line telephone systems, you have to have a notification system that will notify a central location that somebody has dialed 911. So in a situation where you have multiple schools, maybe you have a school police office or a superintendent's office, you need to be able to have a notification to that uh, central location that somebody's dialed 911. So we have... If you hit 911, um, a couple other phones will, and the yep. software with them will go off. And then we have a group of people that they get a text and an email. Yep. I'm cool. Yes. Yeah. Do now, you even it, read it? And we know, Mark, you're not an expert. You're just reading what you got and you're, you're, you're telling us. Do you think if it's just a notification to like one person, that would be sufficient as well? So this is an important factor, right? And they do define a lot about notifications. Um, it has to be something that a person would reasonably receive. Okay. So you can't have, or it, it, I'm not going to be, I'm going to say yes or no, but like yep. it, it would be dangerous to say, well, it sent an email to an inbox. And then yep. every once in a while, I'll check that inbox. It has to be something where a, a, in a reasonable situation, somebody's going to pick up the phone, receive a text message, receive a notification, and it's part of their job or it's part of their, you know, process to, to, to keep monitoring that notification process. So I, I believe my interpretation of it is how the notification happens um, can be flexible depending on your situation. 
but it can't be something where like, well, 911 was called and so we sent a carrier pigeon up and he lands every 30 days. Like that's right. not reasonable. So hey, made a log in our phone system, but we, we have to actually log in and go check that thing. Exactly. Exactly. So they, they do define like a notification is a specific action, not a log. Okay. Um, so that's Carrie's law. Okay. Um, Ray bombs act. And I, unfortunately I, I, I don't have the background of it. I don't, I don't understand the naming of it. I don't have the same as with Carrie's law, but Ray bombs act is within your telephone system. Same lines. Is that the same thing? You have to have a multi-line telephone system is that when you dial 911, the specific location information for that phone has to be provided to 911. So when you dial 911, the 911 operator is going to see for a long, long time, they've just seen the address of that location or right now with, with cell phones, they're going to see the GPS location of your cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you dial 911, Ray Bombs Act takes a step further and they do need to have more specific information. So it could be a, like... In a residential situation, apartment number, suite number, that kind of stuff. In a school, that's reasonably going to be the the floor, the specific area. And the goal of that law is to make sure that when police are dispatched, they're able to send the police officer to or the EMT to the specific location without the need for the person calling to say where they are. Okay. Do you, um, so let's unpack yeah. that a little bit. So I got a bunch yeah. of DIDs, but I do have only so many DIDs. So at first, I, I think when, when we talked about this before, we had some idea that maybe it's going to be like, it needs the same, it needs to say high school room 100, high school room 101, yeah. 102, 103. You're saying you kind of read that maybe it's like high school bottom floor science wing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just what you've described to 101, 202, I mean, it, it has to be a dispatchable location. So mm-hmm. when the officer or the, the EMT gets to your building, that information will make sense for them to find where the call was made. Yep. So in theory, if I'm, if I'm limited on how many DIDs I have access to, mm-hmm. I'll need to be strategic about, you know, I could put these 20 phones, if this is an area, a group of 20 classrooms or 10 classrooms, those could all pump out the same DID, the same 911 location, maybe. Or yeah, if I have and, access to per room, that would be the most ideal thing, I think. Yeah. And, it, and some of the language too is around if it is technically feasible too. So I yep. think there's also an understanding that people have some older generation systems that may not be able to have this capability, but especially if you're upgrading right now, you have to make sure that this is, yeah. that this is met. Uh, and all new phone systems coming out, obviously uh, have the capabilities of, of, of doing that. Yeah, so I think our phone system is fully capable. We need to be mm-hmm. thoughtful of what locations we're pumping out, and that's going to require some good planning and 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 good testing. Yeah, good testing yep. too. Yeah, yeah, and work with your local authorities. You you know they they do advise like we recommend you work with your local authorities. Make sure that what you're doing and what you're configuring meets their needs, and vice versa. Um, depending on the district or the the place that you're in, you might be able to have a close relationship with the, the local police uh, and do a test run. And then they can tell you back, here's what I'm seeing from your system. Uh, and, and that's something you can, you can, again, coordinate with your local police around like, can we do a test call at this time? You'll call, call 911 and just say, hey, can you confirm to me what you're seeing on your screen? And they'll tell you back. I see you as, you know, this address and this floor in this office. Does that, is that right? Yeah, and we've, we, we do that um, 
man, I felt like we were doing it like monthly, maybe every couple of months we it's in our calendar to do a check with 911. We call local dispatch, let them know that we're going to be calling 911. Yeah. Uh, so that they're not freaking out when we start calling from all the schools, but it's been, yeah, it's been good for us to do that. And it, it's just one of those preventative things that you need to do and you need to work it into your schedule. You, you need to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of the idea too, is that sometimes somebody makes a phone call and they get disconnected or they're not able to talk at the time. And so essentially what you're doing is you're, you basically need your phone system to be able to tell 911 where this call is coming from without the need for the caller to, to have that information. And you can imagine in a multi-line telephone system situation, like a school or an office building, you don't always know at the exact location where you are. Um, and so sometimes your phone system needs to, to get that information out or they need to be able to get that if, right. if you cannot. Good job, Mark. Ray bombs and Carrie's act. I mean, I feel educated right now. It's a lot. It's a lot, but, but yeah. And I will say that, that still with 911, each state is different. These are two federal laws. So they do apply to everybody uh, in the U S uh, but your state may go above and beyond this. Your may, your state may have additional components. So just be careful. I don't want to say that this is the floor that this is, or this mm -hmm. is the ceiling. This, this may be the floor for what your state requires. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another listener email. Uh, this one is from Steve. Um, he was talking about, we, we mentioned staff uh, MFA woes. Um, I still am in the midst of uh, Google two-factor stuff. Um, I think it was last episode I talked about, we, we determined the criteria that makes employees have to have two-factor on. Some employees do not in my school district. Most do. Um, I forced that finally after like a month or whatever it was of notice. Uh, so we've had several staff. Um, when I moved them into the forced two-factor, if they hadn't done it yet, well, then they get kicked out of Google and they have to do a walk of shame to me. Um, and it actually mm -hmm. takes a couple of days. So Google will let them stay signed in. It's not immediate. If you were already signed into something, it's not immediate that Google kicks you out. Um, yeah. So I've, I've kind of had a staggering of tickets come in, uh, but you we're in the set, middle. Yeah, go ahead. You can set that as a grace period. You can say, I'm going to enforce it on this date. And then they have this much time afterwards. Yes. So like going forward, if you are like, so for me, now that I've done this, now all my new accounts I'm making, when they're in that OU, it, I think I give them... 14 days or something that they have uh, before it's going to really mess them up. So there are some woes with it. And one of the woes that we discussed last episode was with like Chromebooks, Chromeboxes that uh, uh, two factor was popping up every single time with, with Google accounts. Um, and I was trying to think through that with my lunch ladies, Josh was talking about it. So Steve, uh, I'm just going to read through what he said, because he has a suggestion for us and maybe it was making sense that, what we were saying doesn't apply to him. Uh, he said, uh, where MFA is required uh, every time you sign in, every time you wake up a device from sleep, talking about a Chromebook uh, or a Chromebox, if you have one-to-one -one staff with Chromebooks, if you do the sign-in screen device settings um, and you say always show usernames and photos, um, if you have that on, um, then you don't have to do the MFA every single time. So a lot of us will do the deal where when you sign off, it gets rid of all that stuff. Uh, that's what's causing the two factor every single time. Uh, but if you leave that on or if you turn that on, uh, Steve is telling us that 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 avoids a lot of those woes that you have to have with with your. I was going to say that it sounds like a setting. 
it's some kind of setting somewhere on there, either on the device or the profile. That yeah, he actually sent us a nice screenshot oh. of where to click at in Google Admin Console. Uh, I know that that's a setting I messed with at my elementary level, like in a like a lab kind of setting. Yeah, uh, which makes sense where like... you wouldn't want a bunch of usernames popping up on the screen. Yeah, I feel like that's a setting that you know either right away or or not if you got it wrong. Right? When Josh isn't something. here, and I think he had it wrong. Josh isn't here. He Any had it wrong. Josh? No, huh? from Josh. no updates from Josh right now. No, he's doing his homework. <sighs> so thank you, Steve. Um, it sounds like you've experienced woes. You're right with us and all that we are trying to do for the world. Rolling out two-step is the scariest thing right when you get to it and that day that you roll out two-step is you just need to plan for some free time that day mm. and then after that you get you're fine hey speaking of scary my uh, uh payroll secretary called me today or she emailed me and she said chris i just wanted to confirm you did not want to change your direct deposit information <laughs> because i got an email from you <laughs> Um, and it didn't have, it wasn't your email address. And I said, no, that wasn't me. Did you ask her, did the email look like it was coming from me or my wife? Right. I did look it up. We had a couple, she was getting targeted a little bit. Um, several emails like that, which I was, I was glad she did follow up like personal follow up, just to double check. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could look at it and you're like, this is complete. And Google had flagged it even. Yeah. But so I think my My paycheck's okay. The, the scam that we're seeing quite a lot, I've seen this one, like I feel like half a dozen times in the last two weeks is um, a receipt that says, hey, here's your new subscription to Norton Antivirus and Google Sweet. or uh, Best Buy, Geek Squad, all that kind of stuff. It's like for 500 bucks, but very, very prominently at the bottom of the message, it says, if you didn't subscribe to this, call this phone number mm-hmm. and we'll get you a refund or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And you call that number and all they're trying to do is say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's get you a refund right away. What's your credit card number. And then they got you. Do you think the person that came up with e hall software, you think he tried to do that stuff first and it didn't work out. And that's <laughs> why he think, got into, <laughs> do you think that most of the scammers are just former ed tech vendors who are like, I'm <laughs> yes. tired of these people. I'm going to exact revenge on them. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Speaking of, um, not retired, not a scammer, uh, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast is Rise Vision. That was a terrible uh, segue over to that. <laughs> it worked. Uh, it worked. Yeah, it kind of worked. Uh, I'm going to put in the podcast uh, description a YouTube playlist of some customer testimonial videos. Uh, so we're hanging out with Rise Vision, Vision, Rise Vision for a couple episodes Uh, They have easy-to-use cloud digital signage software. Uh, They can work with all kinds of different players. Uh, They have over 500 templates that that you can work with. Uh, They have good training, uh, fast support. You can showcase your school branding on these things, uh, display emergency alerts on these things. So check out risevision.com. Is that my dog? Yeah. I apologize. It happens. That was a good plug from beginning to end. It worked. I segue to my dog. I mean, like, I'd say five seconds in, I would cut out the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so we tweeted and emailed the FCC this week, Mark. Yeah. Uh, we have taken a stance as a podcast. We did it. Um, Move over, LA. 
I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about about what 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 we what we're doing. What are we doing, Josh? Tell the people. The dog also wants to know what are we doing. My dog Forrest is riled up. Uh, So we have just we've asked uh, for the FCC to consider uh, moving over some of the eligible services list stuff to cybersecurity uh, a little bit more than just the firewall. Give us the services. Uh, as well. So we submitted the pod snuck its way into uh, the letter from it's like a thousand something school districts and organizations. If you scroll down to the K's, you'll see the K-12 Tech Talk podcast on that thing. Um, and then we did a an, an email ourselves uh, to the FCC and then we tweeted at them as well. No responses yet. I don't know what's up with that. They're shocked. They're they- shocked. They don't they don't know how to reply. They're like, I didn't think this is going to come from the K-12 tech. We're throwing down. So if you're with us, uh, I did tweet uh, what we sent. If you want to retweet that thing, if you want to send that thing to the FCC yourself, you're more than welcome to. Uh, we're in this thing together. Jeremy from uh, somethingcool.com did email me. Uh, he had just finished listening to the last episode. And when we were unpacking some of this, uh, he said, while you're talking about USAC stuff, uh, he says they need to raise the floor for smaller schools. I have some clients that can't spend all their money while some of the smaller schools can't afford to upgrade their switches, their firewall, their APs every few years, much less add cybersecurity services to their costs. So, so interesting. Yeah, but that brings up an interesting point that there were some districts that while they didn't support the letter they didn't also you know they didn't they didn't also you know providing negative commentary on it uh and there were some people that said look if you want to add to eligibility if you want to add more components without changing the amount of funding it's gonna it's just gonna take money away from other things that we're dependent on yeah i agree so there was there was some kind of neutral response from districts saying i'm not quite ready to support this yet because all if you're doing, if you're just cutting the pie up into more pieces, we just all get less pie mm-hmm. rather than making the pie bigger. I just, I want the same amount of money. I just want to be able to pick different toppings for my pie. Right. Let me, yeah. Let me unpack that one. You just, you want more pot. You want more toppings onto your pie. Yeah. But I can, okay, that's with the that's same amount of money. Right. Instead that's tech. Yeah. But that's more pie. No, no, no. Like I'm, I can, I can get a pepperoni and hamburger pizza right now, but you're not letting me get olives. If I want a pepperoni and olives pizza, that's what I yeah, want. It's, a, it's an upcharge. But I'll you ditch the same. hamburger. You with me right now? No, I got, I got it. I got it. You, you want the firewall and services with it? Yeah, and I'm gonna get some less something else because I'm gonna yeah. be a good steward of that money. I'm gonna have that figured out. Yeah. No, I think, I think that. Um, it, it, it is incredibly important for us to think about cybersecurity in every dollar that we spend. Now, are you so, saying that you, you would like the pie? You, you would like more money as well? Well, we'd all like I, more money, but. Um, no, but I recognize what you originally said. There are some districts that are struggling to spend all their money and there are some that are just don't have enough. And I do think that mm-hmm. as long as education is funded inequitably and, and based on property values, there's, there's, there are the haves and the have nots. Right. And so day. federal, right. Federal dollars coming into play. That's where I, I hope to level the playing field a little bit. And right now it's, 
as you just mentioned, it's not already level. And so any sort of cutting the pie up into more pieces for some districts, they lose for others. They win. That's all. When you were a kid and you had a pizza party in your classroom and they would buy the eight slice pie and they cut it up in like 16 slices, that sucked, didn't it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, just give me, don't give me two slices. That's don't make it 16 slices. Just leave it at eight. Were you trying to like pull up math lessons when the pizza was being cut <laughs> just to get extra bonus points? I'm going to eat grade? the same amount of pizza. It doesn't matter how many slices it is. I don't care how much pizza it is. Two. You get two pieces of whatever it is in your classroom. That's it. You know, my TSIs, my tech support interns at the high school, middle school, uh, I buy them pizza. I refuse to get it cut up into smaller pieces. I refuse. That's so stupid. And I also refuse to do single topping pizzas. Like, give the kids what they want. I thought you were going to say, I refuse to have the pizzas cut. And you just have one giant <laughs> round slice. And you, you make get a pizza interns, and you get a pizza. You make your interns eat it without. I do support. eight slices. I do specialty pizzas. We live big. Because <laughs> they you fix did a, my Chromebook screens. You did you know a I mean? segment on tech teams, though. Was that at Cosin or ISTE? Um, or Midwest Testcock? Done. I mean, I've done that several times. It's all blur. I can tell you a good pizza formula. If you are ever ordering pizza for a group of middle school and high school students, you take number of students, number of pizzas, and you times it by two. And you divide it by eight and then you get that number and you round up one pizza. And I, typically that is a well-rounded distribution of pizza. I'm laughing because I cannot wait for tomorrow when we get a text message <laughs> from Josh that says, how much time did you talk about pizza? Anyway, I can't leave you too alone. I also buy the kids breadsticks and desserts because <laughs> they fix Chromebook. If a kid picks a Chromebook screen, they deserve a pizza. All right, HPE Aruba, another proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. And they work real great. They're like steak with potato with provision data solutions. They're like breadstick with pizza with provision data solutions. Uh, if you need access points, if you need servers, if you need battery back backups, whatever it is that you need, provision can hook you up. If you're in the business of networking stuff, of course, check out HPE Aruba. Mark, do you have anything else for the good of the cause? Nope. It's almost October. We got one week left. We're into October. We're, this this yeah. is episode 90, and that means episode 100 is coming, and it's going to be a party. What are we going to do for a I don't know. Can we have pizza? <laughs> you should have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> a pizza I'm party. How many toppings can I order? Whatever you want, bro. Josh is going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of pizza? Let's end Let's end on this. Mark? Yeah? Favorite pizza toppings? I am going to say I don't have a favorite, but I, I like to try, if I go to a new pizza place, I like to try their specialty. Okay. I feel that. I like meatballs Ooh. with pepperoni, yep. with banana peppers. And oh. onions. Okay. Okay. This is, and then this is it. What do you think Josh takes on his pizza? I think there's only one way that Josh eats pizza, and that's pineapple and ham. You think and he's that guy? A pineapple I think he's and a, ham guy? I think he's a pineapple on pizza. 
guy. Because he's, you know, he's like a food snob, right? Did you know that? He's a food snob. (laughs) I don't, he, he, I think he'd say some weird stuff. Like, what's a weird cheese? I think he'd be like, oh, I only take, I bet he'd be like, whatever cheese, loaded, loaded baked potato pizza. That guy with pineapple, what's a weird cheese? That's what he would say. Like, oh, I like this cheese. It's a little sharp. All right, this has been episode 90. Uh, We are K-12 Tech Talk, and so are you.